Friends, it's that time of year, the time when blockbusters ride the final crest of holiday glory. Meanwhile, little-known Oscar hopefuls and deep-thinking indie movies take center stage. And today, we're going to talk about a couple of them. Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host of The Plugged In Show, focused on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, pop culture, and technology. Thanks so much for joining us today. Well, we watch and review a lot of movies at Plugged In. I think we had a stretch in December, Paul, you can correct me if I'm wrong, where we had 27 movies in three weeks. Yeah, it's a lot of movies. It's a lot of movies. They include the ones you've seen a zillion ads for, you know, movies like Migration and Wonka, but Aquaman. Also, Aquaman, exactly. Can't forget Aquaman. And frankly, I would like to see Jason Momoa in Migration. You Another know? Aquaman came out? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, yeah, you're that's not awesome. the only one who has responded that way. But that's another, <laughs> another podcast for Aquaman. Time. <laughs> um, but there are also a lot of movies that unless you are like Paul and I and the Plugged In team, unless you're a total movie wonk, you've never heard of them. You don't know what they are. And you may not know why anybody would be interested in them. And, and we like to kind of dive into some of those this time of year. So here's a good example. Zone of interest. I mean, there's a title that tells you everything, right? <laughs> yeah. If you yeah. don't know what zone of interest is about, the title is not going to give you any clues. And this was a late December sort of get it in under the Oscar you right. know, calendar just kind a, of thing. A very mm-hmm. small number but of But it's theaters. now rolling a little right. bit wider. And Paul reviewed this for us. And we're going to talk about the contents of that film in a moment. But what was interesting to me was how just reading and editing Paul's review alone really challenged my indifference and my self-centeredness. And it sparked a pretty interesting conversation between the two of us about how movies can challenge those places where maybe we're a little hard-hearted, you know, maybe we're just a little bit crusty and, and not in a good way. I guess that implies there's a good mm-hmm. kind Is of there crusty. A good- <laughs> um, and so we're going to continue that conversation today. And Jonathan McKee and Kristen Smith are going to join us for that first segment as well. And in our second segment, if you've ever, you know, lain awake at night and thought, I wonder if C.S. Lewis and Sigmund Freud had a conversation. I wonder what that would be like. (laughs) Well, it turns out you're not the first person to ask that question. There was a stage play, and the stage play has now been made into a movie. It's been movified, and it's called Freud's Last Session, and Paul is going to tell us about that as well. Well, before we dig into those conversations in earnest. Just a reminder that The Plugged In Show is a production of Focus on the Family. We are a donor-supported ministry. If you enjoy our conversations each week, and we certainly hope that you do, we would love it if you would make a donation to help us keep bringing you the show each week. And wherever you listen to your podcast, make sure you subscribe to The Plugged In Show and tell your friends about us because we want others to be able to share in these conversations we have each week as well. So with no further ado, let's get after it. Hey everyone, Jonathan, Kristen, Paul. Hi. Thanks for joining me today. We're going to be talking about movies that make us think deeply. Uh, Paul and I like those movies. Maybe everybody is not necessarily drawn to those movies, or maybe you got to be in the right mood, but I would love to hear from each of you about a movie that you saw in your formative years, maybe your early teen or teen or even young adult years that challenged you to see life differently. 
What was it and how did you respond? Paul, I choose you. You just gave me a look like, I am so ready to talk about this. I'm so ready to talk about this. You know, I I was debating between a number of different movies. And you can only choose one. I will only choose one. He would talk about this the entire time. I would. I would. Well, that's why I asked the question. It's a (laughs) warm-up. You know, it's sort of like doing a vocal... La, 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 la. <laughs> movies, go. Movies, movies. My movie is Dead Poet Society. Oh, interesting. Mm. So, and the reason is the movie has, just in case, for listeners who have not seen it for a bit or are interested in seeing it, it has more problems than you would expect from a plugged-in perspective. So I'm going to make that caveat right here. Uh, but Dead Poet Society, starring Robin Williams, was a movie really about literature. It was about art. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had, for ever since I was a little tiny kid, um, I had wanted to be a writer. Why? Because it was really about the it, only it thing that I could actually do. It worked, right? it worked yeah. out for you. I, I am not a very talented person. Oh, so it please. was the only thing that I could really do well. But Dead Poet Society sort of opened my eyes to the fact that even, you know, writing is cool, writing is fun, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but literature, storytelling can change people's lives. Mm. Yeah. You see how uh, this professor opens these students' eyes to the magic of poetry, to the magic of literature, to the to the rhythm of of language. And it was a transformative moment in those in those kids' lives and and indirectly it was for me too because I really sort of understood essentially why we do what we do here, right? Stories are powerful. Mm. And I think that uh, Dead Poet Society was one of the first movies that helped me see that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Jonathan, Kristen, who wants to jump in next? Let Jonathan go. Okay. <laughs> it's your turn first. Uh, I, I sh- Kristen's I'll feeling generous today. Um, no, interesting. When I was thinking about this topic and thinking about movies that make you think, uh, it's interesting. Definitely latter in life that I could think of examples. And by the way, Paul, a great example. What a, what a good one. Um, I don't think this is punting, but I'm going to actually use my wife as an example because she shared with me um, a story that I just found fascinating. She, um, when she's 18 years old, went off uh, to the Air Force uh, basic training kind of to get out of her house and do her own thing. She'd grown up uh, not in a, a house where faith was important at all. It was Christmas, Easter, um, had rarely heard the gospel, but she had been invited by some friends to a little uh, um, vacation Bible school and found out about Jesus and and, and prayed a prayer but then went back home to a place where faith wasn't supported at all. So she always kind of had this, like, I know God's out there. I, and I know I need to be following him, but what's that actually look like? So she's finally out on her own, and this is just the weirdest thing, and I'm not recommending this film, but for an unbeliever, she goes and she sees this new Demi Moore film, The Seventh Sign, mm-hmm. 1988. Um, not a Christian film. <laughs> um, but it was all about end times, and that film scared her to death, and she started seeking, and she ended up wow. in a church. Yeah, um, because that film made her think about God is out there; um, He's coming back, and what we do here matters. And I want to find Him. That's so, so cool. So here's the, fascinating stuff. the craziest thing, and this is truly crazy. That's mine too. Are you serious? And it's oh the exact goodness. same thing. Wow. And, 
I thought I was the only person who saw it, but it turns out Jonathan's wife saw it too. <laughs> and we both had the exact same experience. Um, That's oh awesome. I saw it on just right before I went to college and I had grown up in the church. I, I believe that I had a saving relationship with God, but I was totally on the run from God. Mm. I was moving a hundred miles an hour, the opposite direction. And I saw that movie and it scared the Jesus into me. I mean, it was sort of, it was a foundational <laughs> thing. Hmm. Um, and it's, you know, like you said, it's about revelation and the end times. It's a horrible movie and the theology is horrible, but it got my attention. <laughs> Paul. Yeah. yeah. I just wanted to riff off of that a little bit because I also saw that movie. I also found it impactful and it was interesting because I came back and talked with my dad about it. My dad is a, a very religious person, and we had a robust conversation mm. about this movie, right? And he was very critical about the theology of it. Yeah. And I think which was right. Which is right. My dad was absolutely right. It doesn't have any bearing on theological truth at all. But the mm. but the beats of it made you think about things, and I think that that yeah. m- reminds me that we need to be. When we talk about good stories and bad stories and, and whether they yeah. they feed our souls or take something away from it, we have to be so mindful that we're all so individual and we can take yeah. different things away from different stories. Yeah. I think that is And, and exactly God can right. use all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well... Kristen, are you ready? Yeah, I just feel like every time I get on here, I'm like, mine is not that deep. And then I'm like, do I think deeply? Um, (laughs) You do, you do. (laughs) Okay, all right. So I think the first one that came to mind, which I'm not going to talk about, but I'm going to pull Jonathan and mention it, was... (laughs) After she cautions me, only use one. Right. (laughs) Well, it takes one to know one. Yes. My first one that I remember really loving was Remember the Titans. Oh. And I watched that when I was little, or I don't know, I, I guess sports age, maybe middle school. And right. I loved sports. And so learning about like perseverance and pushing through and teamwork, and I mean, it's about a million different things, but mm-hmm. it like really spoke to me. But then as I got older, I watched Dangerous Minds. Mm. And I, I almost said that one too. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I've seen that and Freedom Riders. It's basically the same movie, right? Um, yeah. But <laughs> it it hit me so deeply. Like I didn't really know what I wanted to do post-college. Everybody did. I went and got this degree. I paid way too much money for. <laughs> and I'm like, what do I do with this? And I remember seeing that thinking, I I might be able to teach. I don't know. Yeah. And I didn't want to do elementary kids because it felt like babysitting. I'd done that a lot. <laughs> Turns out high school is no different. But then I was like, let's try high schoolers. And um, I went to an inner city school. I got the job on Friday. I started on Monday. I had no idea what I was doing. Was this in Philly? This is in Philly. Wow. Um, I think they were desperate for teachers and the principal told me we're, we're friends now. And she's went to my wedding. Fantastic. But she told me years after, she's like, I thought you'd quit in like one month. She's like, I gave you one month. I I had no faith in you at all. Mm. And I stuck it out for three years until I had to move. And I, it it was this film that like, it was this film that spoke to the power of what happens when you just dedicate yourself to others, you know, mm, to really yeah. dedicate yourself to them and pour into their lives, even when they push back, even when they don't want that to happen. It, it love yeah. transforms people. Time and dedication transforms people. So, yeah. Kristen, you sell that. yourself far too yeah, short because that, that was phenomenal. Yeah. No, <laughs> And I think your life one. could be a movie. 
<laughs> yeah. Okay. So before we move on, the kids and I did not intend this at all. When I I loved loved my kids that I taught, and one kid one time was like, Miss my maiden maiden Patterson, Miss Patterson, you're like that white girl from that movie that tries to think that we're a bunch of cases that need help. And I'm like, no, that's, I mean, I have seen it. And so thank you. But like, that's not why I did this. That's not how I'm feeling. That is funny. <laughs> anyway. Oh, well, I think that's a, a great setup for our bigger conversation today. And before we jump into that, I would just love to hear from you who are listening today. Have you had a movie that made an impact you with its messages or themes? And yeah, maybe definitely. it was one you were young. Maybe it was last week, right? Because I think yeah. different stories impact us mm-hmm. at different moments of our lives. So we would love to hear from you. And you can drop us a line at team at com, And we'll give you some other ways you can connect with us as well in the episode notes for today's show. Well... We know, and we spend a lot of time talking about how entertainment can affect and influence us. And sometimes that influence is negative or potentially harmful. And a lot of what we do here at Plugged In is we want to sort of be that that beacon, that warning saying, hey, there's this. You should know about this before you or your kids or anybody you Mm -hmm. love go to see this movie because it's got content that may push you in the wrong directions or an unhealthy direction. But movies potentially possess another power as well, and that is the ability to jar us out of complacency and indifference. Um, I think that they can they can poke at our apathy, if I can use that turn of phrase, in ways that cause us to see ourselves and maybe even see our selfishness in a way that we weren't even aware of. And I think that's the power of a well-told story. And so, Paul, you recently saw a film that does this um, in a way that I think we can safely say is uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. This is not a a fun movie. And I I mentioned it in the intro. It's called Zone of Interest. What's going on here? We'll use this as a springboard to this bigger conversation. Yeah, yeah. And actually, I think that, that Kristen's pick for her movie is a perfect transition into this because we talk so much about these inspirational movies where one person can make a difference, right? Mm. In the zone of interest, you're talking about a couple of people who made the worst kind of difference Mm. and in a way because of their indifference. Mm -hmm. So the story revolves around Rudolph and Hedwig Haas who uh, Rudolf was... Those sound like German names. They are German names. This takes place in essentially 1943, 1944, um, on the outskirts of Auschwitz. Wow. Rudolf Haas is the uh, head of Auschwitz. He is tasked with the final solution, essentially. Mm. Uh. Um, And he and his wife have set up this beautiful little paradise right next to the walls. Hedwig is a gardener. She loves gardening. Her gardens are beautiful. Um, They have servants. They have this nice house that they've always dreamed of, built literally on the deaths of the people Mm. next door. Um, And so it's such an incredible contrast when you watch this movie because you are never actually taken into Auschwitz itself. Mm. You never see what goes on in the walls. You see it only from inside the walls of this this family compound. That's really interesting. The flowers, the grass, the laughing children, it's all around here. And then over the walls, you see Mm. the smoke rising Mm. from 
from the concentration camp beyond. Well, and you mentioned the ash that mm-hmm. they use as fertilizer and we know what that is. Correct. Right? Correct. And we can we can assume. Yeah. And you just have these hints of horror that take place, right? You hear some gunshots, you hear some screams, you see the smoke. The the entire story is told within this enclave where you have this family that is either actively participating in the horrors that are going next door or the guests who are willfully indifferent. Mm. Was it difficult to watch from that perspective? It was really, really difficult to watch. Yeah, it this was, is not a, a fun movie to watch by any stretch. Yeah, and but here's the interesting thing. And one of the things that I said in my review is that um, a lot of times when you have these terrible, terrible stories, the directors feel the need to put in tons of graphic content, right? Mm. Yeah. Take you into Auschwitz to see what is actually going on. Yeah. In a way, this movie was all the more horrific because you didn't see. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, and even as I was editing your review, and and I don't I don't see every movie that we review it plugged in, but I edit almost all of the movie reviews, and so a lot of times we end up in conversations and just reading your review, and I would commend it to your attention if this is a subject that you're at all interested in, and a lot of people are going to be like. Yeah, full pass. That's not my idea. Let's go see Aquaman. Let's go watch a Hallmark movie, right? Um, There's another Aquaman? (laughs) (laughs) I heard there is. I heard there is. It's so weird. I didn't even know. Um, But even your review, it did something interesting for me. And this speaks to the power of of good writing. And your review is very well well written. That's very nice. Um, Thank you. I, I think what it did was, on one hand you're tempted to judge these people really harshly, right? It's like, this is a monstrous evil. What they're doing was a horrific thing. And this is where our conversation started. Um, And yet, how often am I bombarded by the news and the horrors of the world and I can barely muster an ounce of compassion? Like... I am guilty of perhaps not the indifference of actively participating in the Holocaust. I'm not trying to say that I'm the moral equivalent of these characters, but I find myself numbed by the world. And I think the value of movies like this is maybe they get our attention in a way that, you know, numbing constant flow of information in the world doesn't. And I just wanted to to talk about that because you and I talked about it quite a lot. Well, this struck me very personally and i'll i'll be very transparent i think that this is a huge issue for me personally hmm. in that i tend to i would be tend to be one of those people who would say it's not my business i don't right. want to get involved i don't want to you know i there was just this summer this is a hard story to share but i'm going to go ahead and do it uh my wife and i we were driving down from the mountains hmm. and we saw that there was a baby deer in the middle of the road Mm. and um i didn't quite know what to do yeah you know the mom already deeply uncomfortable the mom was was over uh to the side you know i think that the mom had just given birth to this deer the deer couldn't actually walk yet and i i had in my mind thinking about so if i touch this deer is that going to cause problems because you know if you touch baby right, birds right, the, right. The, the deer, you know you just don't know moms don't feed them or that yeah. sort of thing and and so i didn't know what to do but i didn't want the deer to be in the middle of the road and i wound up 
driving past mm. because I just didn't know what to do. Wow. And I think that that decision, I have no idea what happened wow. to that baby deer. That's but a metaphor. God took care of it, Paul. I hope so. I'm going to let you but, off the hook. <laughs> but it, seriously, that moment is going to haunt me maybe for the rest of my life. Wondering, wow. you know, because I feel like I did the wrong thing. Yeah. So a movie like The Zone of Interest... It, it impacts me mm. because it makes me wonder whether I was living in that world. If I was a German at that time living beside Auschwitz mm. and I suspected something was terrible was going on, would I have the moral rectitude mm. to actually speak up and do something about it? It makes me think, and, and our listeners here might even remember because, oh my gosh, it was probably 100 podcasts ago, but we talked about <laughs> Hotel Rwanda. Yes. Hotel yes. Rwanda. There's it this, there's this amazing, ago. yeah, it was. There was this amazing scene where, mm-hmm. you know, Don Cheadle's character is talking with Joaquin Phoenix's character, and he's like, man, I'm glad we have this footage, and when the world sees it, it'll do something. And, and, and Joaquin Phoenix basically says, yeah, but what if they see it in nobody intervenes hmm. and he goes well how could they intervene when they witness such atrocities and i'll never forget joaquin phoenix says something like you know well i think when they're going to see this footage they're going to be like oh my gosh that's horrible hmm. and then go on eating their dinners hmm. see this is difficult because i tend to think with social media we are inundated with so much tragedy no hmm. one is supposed to see this much all the time literally okay. last night so this is Mm, An example. Okay, my husband always talks about how I would. F- I'm always ready for a fight, like all the time, ready to go. It's true. It's one of your best qualities. <laughs> He's like, it's, it's true. you just want to fight all the time. In the fact that, like, I I'm super passionate, and so I I feel kind of the opposite. I don't know about the deer. I probably would have done the same thing because really, like, you're it's like, I don't know in this situation. But then that wouldn't be something. I, that's not like a sin of omission, right? <laughs> but this is kind of what we're talking about, right? Sins of commission, sins of omission, mm-hmm. and so. I was thinking about this last night. I'm scrolling through looking at there's this um, site called America's Kids Belong. And it's all these kids that are up for adoption. Mm. And we really want to adopt. And it's probably not healthy for me to sit and look at all these babies that don't have homes and think Mm. about all the people that don't or haven't opened up their homes. And, you know, it's it's just this compounding thing. And it's so sad. But then, of course, there's sex trafficking and there's murder. And you're just like on and on and on. And you're, you're seeing all this all the time. It would make you numb to the reality of the world. And so it's yeah. I feel like it's really important to be aware of what's going on where you are because you cannot do everything for everybody. But it is important to know mm-hmm. what's happening around you. Now, you can't like you you can't be this one individual person and you might but like bring all this change, right? I feel like Maybe as Americans, we're taught that you're the one, like the one person, and you can like really that's well, unrealistic. Well, the movies that we've talked about, they, right. they encourage that, right? They right. do, and I don't think there's anything mm-hmm. wrong with mm-hmm. that. But I think it's important to remember, like where you are, be fully where you are, and that's mm-hmm. typically where you're going to see the change. Mm-hmm. So, well, isn't it interesting that so much of what we talk about is you know parenting, and I think, and I'm a grandparent, right? So parenting, parents, grandparents, you're aunts, old. uncles, we. We all can have exactly exact same age as you. And, Whatever. Uh, and, the thing, and the thing is, you know, well I, like I, I have this friend and it's so sad because um, his dad is retired and lives just down the street from his kids. And I was like, oh, does he get to hang out with them? What an awesome, you know, because I'm all into grandpa, you know, what, what an effect you can have and how cool. When I, and he goes, no, my kids just don't want to be around him. I'm like, why? Mm. He goes, because he's always watching Fox News and yelling at the screen. Mm. 
And it's interesting that, you know, and it's not, I'm not calling out one show. I guess I did. Right. But uh, I'm not calling out the one point, show. Yeah. But it is interesting, though, that, you know, here's an impact exactly to what Kristen said, that he could have an incredible impact right there in his home. Um, but he's so frustrated with what's going on in the world that it's actually limiting mm-hmm. his potential mm-hmm. impact. Yeah. When Kristen was talking, it, it reminded me of a quote from uh, Trick Mirror by Gia uh, Tolentino talks about the internet was dramatically increasing our ability to know about things while our ability to change things stayed the same or possibly shrank right in front of us. Um, I started to feel like the internet would only ever induce the cycle of heartbreak and hardening, a hyper-engagement that would make it less, make less sense every day. Man, that's exactly what we're talking about here, right? Heartbreak well, it's because and hardening. When you stop to do this, when you, to help somebody, mm-hmm. it's inconvenient. Yeah, absolutely. Right. We do not like to be inconvenienced. And it may be risky. It, it could be risky for sure. Like, yeah, so right. a couple, this is not anything to me. We, I, I just talk to my kids a lot about if we see somebody, we stop and help them because mm. as a mom, it's changed. Like when I, when I was single, not that I should have, but I would have been like anywhere helping anybody Right. to the point where I'm like, something could have happened to you, Kristen. Right. Um, but with my kids now, I'm very cautious. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were, we're driving down the street and this woman was homeless um, off of Academy and Judah, my son, we passed her and he goes, mom, do you think she was hungry? Mm. And he just said this from the back. And oh, I'm like, my goodness. Wow. yeah, wow. buddy, I think she probably was. We could go check. And so we turned around and I had a whole conversation with her, I ended up praying oh, with wow. her. And so we just kind of got her some resources in town. But this is the kind of stuff where you might see it so much mm-hmm. that it feels overwhelming. Yeah. And so even things like this, like this movie. So for me, I read a lot to the point where like, I feel like I get so immersed in this world that I'm like, I'm going to be the Katniss Everdeen, like in this book. <laughs> Nobody ever <laughs> give <laughs> Kristen a bow. Okay. No yeah. bows for you. Just I'm saying. a terrible She's shot. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. Yeah. Um, but you can become so immersed that it like, Oh, it's fiction or, Oh, it's just a movie, but like, it's really not. And mm-hmm. so where is this line? Like what kind of kids are we raising? How are they responding to this stuff in the yeah. world? And how are we? Yeah. And that's what, one of the things that just struck me about the zone of interest you have, because the stakes are so dramatic, you have clearly one of the worst atrocities yeah. in, in world history yeah. taking place literally across the street from this idyllic house. But, I think you can look at our own worlds, our own lives, and, and find similar situation. You know, there's people on the street every day that you drive by every day, people who need help, and we're so prone to just drive on by. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think that, you know, kind of circling back to where we began our conversation, my question is how do we as parents especially know maybe when our kids are old enough that we can begin to enter into some of those stories or is there value in doing that, you know, to intentionally watching movies that may not actually be particularly entertaining, but have the ability to help us connect with these messages. Well, as parents, this isn't the question you asked. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but that's all right. But no, I, as parents, so what you, please God, you know, like, help, as me, parents, help me herd the cats. As parents, what can we do? And I'm like, it's funny because I feel like what Kristen is showing is that this is not necessarily like, you know, our, our takeaway would easily be, oh, how can we watch films that make us think da da da? I think, I, I don't know, the thing that, I, that just jumps out from what Kristen is saying to me is how she's modeling this mm-hmm. in her own life to the fact that her you know, son would be like, 
hey, why are we going to pass that one? We never do, you know, and like all of a sudden this voice comes and it wasn't your son speaking. Actually, it was the Lord speaking through your son. Hmm. You know, he's mm-hmm. seen something in you and he knows that and he knows, hey, this is what we're supposed to do. And it's amazing when you see just there's little things we can do. I have a friend who he would when he packed his lunch every day, he would pack two hmm. because yeah. he knew at the first stop he was at, there's always somebody on the corner and he just started giving a lunch, you know, and that impacted my wife and I, and we actually start, we now carry around like little subway mm. cards and little whatever, and we keep some of those for if we pass it. And those little tiny things that we can do in addition, if we can model those things in our family, and I'm sure that we can get to Adam's, you know, question, which is how do we also, you know, watch these things and discuss this, but man, this is so much about us modeling what Christ is doing in our hearts. Yeah, and I think that that's a really important thing. When we're talking about these movies, obviously, you want to—it's great to introduce your kids to movies, to stories that have heroes, you know, the single people who can change lives. But I think even more important is to show them in your own worlds those heroes. You know, Mm. when I hear your story, Kristen, about stopping to help this person, Adam, you have similar stories I know that you've talked about Mm -hmm. where you've you've actually gone up to homeless people and you've you've not only given them money for food, you've taken them out to eat. Mm. And I think that we have to be mindful that the movies that we see are absolutely right. One person can change things. Hmm. And you see people in your own lives that are changing things all the time. We have to be mindful of those everyday heroes that we see. Well, and the Mm -hmm. stories that we encounter are not necessarily stories just to entertain or, you know, to give us an escape. Hmm. But these harder stories, I think, offer a connection point to the real world, to that ongoing conversation. And, And I love this conversation has been, I, I think it's gone in some directions I didn't even anticipate. And I, and I love that because I love what we have shared. And that is our stories can connect with these bigger stories. And, and what does it look like to model integrity for our kids? We've had kind of a parenting conversation here. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so I think that's how entertainment works, right? There, there are those connection points to our real experience. Uh, and, and yeah, Kristen. I think just something to add to that, I was thinking that before anyone takes this story, I, I lose it on my kids a lot. So let's just put this into perspective. Right. <laughs> we know you're not perfect. The That's parenting okay. skill. But it, it made me think of, it. for some, it might be easy to have those heroic moments or yeah. those moments that you can check off of a list, right? That you're like, I, I've done that before or whatever. Um, it's a lot harder for me to do this every day and model it for my kids. It's probably the hardest thing to do Hmm. because it's constant and it requires you dying to self every day, all the time, 24 seven. And I think that's the most important thing that we model because when we see these movies and we read these books, of course we can talk about context and we can do all this stuff, but it is like the daily example that apologizing when you lose it, right? Like reestablishing, what what does the Bible say about this? What does God say about this? Because that's what's going to have like that lasting impact. I love that. And I don't think I can add anything more of substance to that. So we will wrap up this particular conversation about how movies that maybe are not feel good movies might be 
a great conversation starter and it spills over into so much more in our real world. So we hope that as you're thinking about the stories that your family is interested in, that you consider plugged in as a resource to give you what you need, um, you know, in these moments so that you can make the best determination for your family. Hey, maybe we can enter into this story. Maybe it would be a great conversation starter just like it has been for us today. Thanks guys. Well, in our second session today, Paul AC is still with us, actually, and we're thankful for that. This and, podcast is all about me, just the way it should be. That's right. We'll call it the Paul Show. Um, <laughs> and Paul is going to tell us about Freud's last session. I And I hinted at it in the introduction that it's sort of a... It's a fictionalized sort of imagining of what would have happened if near the end of Freud's life, he would have encountered C.S. Lewis, which... Frankly, I think we could do a whole series of these things like, you know, just start naming historical figures and then C.S. Lewis shows up and what happens. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, that's another brainstorm for another time. Paul, tell us about the movie. Yeah, well, it's actually taken just from one line of one little book called The Question of God. Okay. Right? At the very end, it sort of talks a little bit. The whole book actually sort of uh, juxtaposes Freud's philosophies with Lewis's philosophies. And okay. at the end, it mentions that, uh, that Freud was visited by an unnamed Oxford Don. Wouldn't that be interesting if that had been C.S. Lewis? So okay, this so there whole, was there's some speculation here. There's some speculation. Okay, and so apparently this whole movie, which is based on a play, is based on that one sentence where Lewis visits Freud in probably the last three weeks of his life in oh, England. Wow. So a World War II has just started. Uh, it's September third. Um, so That's very specific. It is September third, nineteen thirty-nine. It's the day that England actually gave uh, an ultimatum to Nazi Germany saying, if you don't get out of Poland, we're going to go to war. Wow. And Germany did not respond. And, and they went so to war. That's sort of the setting for this. Okay. Everybody's a little bit on edge, uh, but Lewis mm. does go visit Freud. Um, and essentially, and the I see, whole like, movie- I know what I'm going to do today, like Phineas and Ferb. Like, I'm going to go visit Sigmund Freud. <laughs> so so apparently there was just a desire amongst one of them to talk over the idea of God. Professor Lewis. Dr. Freud. Forgive me, but why would you come here to see me if you disagree so passionately with my views? To make you realize that you're wrong. <laughs> well done. Good. Okay. Right. Uh, both of them, at this time, Lewis was unknown. This is before the Chronicles of Narnia. This is before a lot of mere Christianity. Um, he is really known as this Oxford Don, and okay. he's written a couple of books, one of which parroted Sigmund Freud. It had a Freud-like character, and that's why Lewis thinks he was beckoned to Freud's uh, essentially home in London. Okay. And so, almost his deathbed, it sounds like, but not quite. Not quite. So so Freud was dying from uh, jaw cancer Ooh. at the time. Yeah, really, really bad stuff. And it, it sort of becomes this running thread throughout the conversation. Freud gets in more and more pain. He has this prosthetic jaw that is causing him grave, grave discomfort. And as he goes through this, as their conversations get deeper and more complex, 
and more pointed, uh, that pain also brings these two quote-unquote combatants closer together. This is a story not only about people who have very, very different views about God and nearly everything else, but it's a story about how you go through those discussions with um, respect, hmm. with care, even with love. Wow. That's and, cool. and Freud is played by... Anthony Hopkins, who actually has the weird distinction of having played C.S. Lewis earlier in his career. And is C.S. Lewis played by an actor that we're familiar with? You know, you might recognize him, but he's not a household name. His name is Matthew Good. He is very good. um, But man, Anthony Hopkins... Right. I kind of think he might deserve another Oscar for He's this. He's outstanding. He's really good in this. Really so good. Tell me, tell us about how this conversation goes. Like, what is kind of the flow of asking these questions about God? Yeah, so it really just dives right in, right? They go from subject to subject to subject to subject. Um, and it feels like, and, and I know for a fact, actually, that a lot of what they say was taken directly from their writings. Mm. Um, so it's true to, in, for the most part, what they likely believed. Um, but it really is a very talking movie. There's mm-hmm. not necessarily a ton of flow. It's more these these conversational vignettes like that point sort of, and counterpoint almost kinda, like a debate it is sort of like a debate and you it, but as we go on we get deeper into into some of the the issues that lie behind their feelings on god you know they talk about they talk about sex they talk about fear they talk about free will they talk about all of these things wow. now it's all woven within this idea that freud is getting in more and more in pain hmm. um, his daughter is trying to find some medicine while this day long conversation takes place so hmm. so there is some actual movie around this we see um, some pretty graphic flashbacks actually to cs lewis's time in World War One, um, so you do deal with some other stuff, but it's very talky. Okay, so content-wise, I mean, you said we've got maybe some war footage. Are there other content issues that people need to be aware of? There are. Uh, Sigmund Freud's daughter in the movie is involved with a lesbian relationship with somebody. That, okay. That interestingly enough, even though Freud tells Lewis that he's he's completely fine with the concept, he is not fine with this particular relationship. Hmm. Uh, so you have. Uh, a lot of discussion around those relationships. Uh, true to historical fact, uh, Lewis also lived with a woman for years and years and years and years. Huh. And there is speculation, historical speculation, on what that relationship once looked like. Interesting. Um, so it references that as well. Um, so you do have some odd little sexual asides that you're going to have to walk through. Um, the war footage can be very bloody, very gory. Um, you don't have to worry worry too much about language. There's a little bit of mild profanity that you have to deal with. The main thing, though, is really the spirituality that you have here. This is not a a debate that, quote unquote, either Freud or Lewis wins. They get to say their their points. They get to have their say. That's actually interesting. Yeah. Open-ended. It really is very open-ended, and I think that's sort of the nature of debate as it is. You know, Lewis leaves very confirmed in his faith. You get some hints that maybe Freud might be opening up a little bit, uh, but because they are taken from two titans, really, yeah. of intellectualism, hmm. 
you will come across some things that can be challenging, some thoughts that can be challenging and will cause you to think. Now, I personally think that that is a good thing, but if for someone who's a little weaker, wavering in their faith, it can be challenging. So, Paul, I have a question for you we haven't talked about. Have you done any delving into why this story was created in the first place? And were the people who created it interested in pushing the conversation one way or the other, even though it sounds like it's pretty fair and and, yeah. and balanced, if I can put it that way? It does feel fair. I do think that, that Lewis, because he is just on the cusp of his prime and Freud is going downhill and obviously in a lot of pain, it's a little bit weighted toward Lewis in okay, a way. Okay, well, that's interesting. But you do, I have read some uh, interviews with the original author of the play, hmm. and he says that he really resonates with both sides. Interesting. You know, he, he was, I believe, raised in a Catholic family. Don't quote me on that, but I believe that that's correct. Okay. Um, he doesn't really say what he believes now, but there, there are elements. And, and I think that even Christians can walk in here and they will obviously be pulled toward what Lewis says. But some of what Freud says, I think, can resonate fairly deeply as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's a great example of another kind of movie that potentially is a a great jumping off point for conversation. And we live in a world that is absolutely a marketplace of ideas, right? And especially as we try to help our kids navigate that, it sounds like it could be a movie maybe for particularly smart or intellectual or, or, you know, teens that are a little bit more mature. Some of them may want to just go see, you know, Godzilla minus one or something, but, um, it feels like a great opportunity to really intentionally engage with a story. Well, it really does give you a great idea of some of the big questions of faith, the reasons for it, the problems that we Mm. as Christians deal with. That we have to grapple with. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Paul, for letting us know about Freud's last session. Well, now it's time for a segment of our show we call Pop Culture Connection, wherein we are joined by Ashley, our producer. Hey, Ashley. Hey, Adam. And Ashley has awesome questions. And our goal, as always, is to give as many answers as possible. It's about quantity, not quality. It's so right. stressful. Um, so. Although sometimes we'll have a really nice answer that we can feel good about, even if yeah. we don't get to feel good about winning. Mm-hmm. But Jonathan you know, does, though. Yeah, I know. What's we, it like we to be all, the, we're like all to be pretty the victor? <laughs> yeah, right. Ashley, take it away. All right. My first question is for Paul. Paul. All right. Here we go. Setting the bar. Paul, what do you think is the best Pixar movie for families and why? Oh, man. Oh, that's got to be Up. You know, it's it's a tricky one because it skews a little bit more adult, but man, Up is one of my favorite movies of all time. The opening 10, 15 minutes of that, if you're not crying by the end of it, you don't have a soul. It has (laughs) such fantastic characters. It has Doug. I love the dog Doug. It has this weird bird. Chocolate becomes a big factor Mm. in this whole thing. The house that floats with the balloons. balloons. And if you noticed the, the character, the main guy, he looks like the house while his wife looks like the balloon, And he also looks like Ed Asner and he's voiced by Ed Asner, isn't he? He is voiced by Ed Asner. Yes. 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 Nine? Yes. Nine points, Paul. Nine. Well done. Thank you. Pretty good, Paul. That was pretty good. I don't think I'm going to get nine. Well, we'll see. We'll see. That set the bar. Who's your next victim, Ashley? Probably You set the bar up pretty high. I'm so stressed. (laughs) He missed it. He missed that joke. I know. That was a total Paul joke, too. He set the bar up pretty high oh that was for you paul nice yeah 
you know, I'd like to say I know something about repeating jokes that people didn't get either. So. <laughs> it's not a great feeling. It's not. That's Sorry, okay. listeners, as they all sigh on the second release of the joke. All right, Kristen. <laughs> okay. What do you think is the best song of all time and Ooh. why? This is so unfair. I'm probably going to have to choose something from John Mayer. And even if no one agrees, I don't care. No, no. Okay, maybe Mumford and Sons. Okay, because I'll go with them. And I, I don't even remember the name right now because I'm so stressed. But I remember that it talks about theology and they talk also about philosophy. And this is so stressful. And their voices are amazing and you should see them in concert. And this has nothing to do about why it's a good song. And... Um, oh, nobody writes like they do. No one writes poetically anymore. Mm-hmm. I would say that's like a big reason. And okay, this, no, that was terrible. You don't get sure. any no, points you because you didn't, you didn't actually name, name, name the song. I will, but I will. In a second, they're all I good. Will. I'm Once taking I all look of them. <laughs> all of their songs. Okay, they're all the songs. Every single one. Yes, songs. they're all poetic. And the song th- makes me feel things. <laughs> I think thing. I think if she got a point, I think if she got a point for every time she rhythm. said this is so stressful, she would have won. Okay, that's right. right. That's right. Okay, that's, uh-huh. I'm standing. Listen, Kristen. if you ever heard Mumford and Sons, all of their stuff. Well, clearly, you need to hear them more so you can no. remember their yeah, song title. So you can remember their song title. To think about one Are you song? saying that you need no, to take no, the right. five points you won and times it by the no, entire Mumford no, and Sons? No, I know catalog. I lost. Right. I'm just saying. <laughs> How many points are That's you I counted generously six. giving her? You shouldn't give me any. Wow. Feels like Times a lot for a new answer. Six, for, a yeah. six yeah. for that mystery song. Yes, indeed. I like that one song. You know the song. <laughs> Song. You know that what? Song. We'll just say Little Lion Man. There you go. Yeah, that's All a good right. one. There I like go. Little Lion Man. I've never heard that Thanks. song. Yeah, All right. I have. Jonathan, you're yes. up next. All right. What do you think is the best TV series you've seen and Ooh. why? Anything Definitely justified. First of all, it stars Timothy Oliphant. Second of all, he's always wearing a cowboy hat. Also, you got all these extra characters. You got the military character who is amazing. You got the worst bad guy ever, but he's also the best bad guy. Best writing. It's never the same. Uh, takes place in Kentucky, um, which is really cool. But it starts in Florida, which is even better. Uh, it's got uh, romance, uh, but at the same time, he's a father. Uh, it came back with a great sequel. But it also... Are you saying that fathers can't be romantic? Because it felt like you were contrasting those things. Also... How many points did nice you get? Nice job. I counted 11 for Yeah, that. he crushed oh, us. Man. He crushed us. Just let him. He's so good at this. Uh, how you can come he just, up with this he much? He just he just comes up with words though. Words. He just says he has a father, father, he has a mother, Kentucky. He has these characters. Stuff. They mow the lawn. It's great. They mow the lawn with their web. Oh boy, I you're feel still wow. mad about Spider-Man. I'm still Paul. mad about I'm Spider-Man. Still mad about Spider-Man. All right, <laughs> All right Ashley, what All you right. got for me? All right, Adam, you're next. I am. And the question is, desktop. Laptop oh. or tablet, which do you prefer to use and why? Oh, it's desktop. Um, excuse me, it's laptop because, well, I have a lap and I like to put the computer on the top of it. Um, I can take it anywhere. Uh, it's not so much, you know, when you have three screens, you don't even know what to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it automatically resizes the font to optimize the, mm-hmm. you know, the laptop. Um, I, yeah, I mean, it's just portable. You, you take it. I mean, the problem is, though, if somebody steals it, then you're okay. in trouble. Anybody ever dropped a laptop? This would be why laptops aren't the best. I'm as- now answering a different question. You're answering yes, a different indeed. question. I'm not sure. Let me, I, let me, I, gotta, I gotta state the cons also. As well. let, <laughs> let, me, uh, let me answer this like Jonathan. It has a space bar. Right. It has a shift key. No. It has an A. Keys. A. B. C. D. And, oh, and Apple. He would say Apple. Yes. 
But I do believe that Jonathan is our clear winner. Congratulations, so. Jonathan. How many points did I get? I got That's ten right. five. Oh, five. <laughs> yeah. Paul, I'm the Read big loser. I'm the loser. It does have a space bar and you use it every day. That's right. Well, on that note, I think our time here is probably pretty close to done. Thanks, everybody. And thanks for winning again, Jonathan. <laughs> no but more importantly, thank you, all of you who are listening today, for joining our conversation on The Plugged In Show. As always, we hope that it has been one that has been engaging and maybe challenged you to think about how a well-told story or even a story that can make us really uncomfortable might be a catalyst for deeper reflection and maybe even real and significant change in our lives. And if you have a thought that you want to share with regard to any of the films that we talked about today, or even just how a particular movie has impacted you deeply, here's how you can let us know what you think. If you go to thepluggedinshow.com, you can leave us a voicemail with your answer to those questions, and we just might include it on a future show. Or as I said earlier, reach out to us at team at thepluggedinshow.com show.com and of course you can catch us on facebook and instagram well thanks again for spending some time with us here at the plugged in show this week we really enjoy talking with each other and with you each week and we hope you'll come join us again next week on another episode of the plugged in show hey parents parent here I don't know about you, but most parenting advice I've found is a lot like my son's favorite foods, just beans and hot dogs. It's bland and way too juvenile for how old he actually is. But Focus on the Family's weekly age and stage emails have biblical stuff that helps me be intentional as a parent. It's great, like a chef salad of parenting tips. If you want biblical, practical, and personal tips to your inbox, here's how. Go to MyKidsAge.com, put in your kid's age, and get weekly emails that make a difference.